This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. If you're, if you're eating a lot of vitamin A and you think that just because it's the natural form and it's not the synthetic form that you're somehow protected, this is not supported in the science at all. So if I get a multivitamin that has vitamin A in it, In the way that the body breaks down vitamin A from beef liver, it essentially becomes the same in the body, in、yes. the way it's processed. People will argue that the type of vitamin A determines its toxicity or not. I'm here showing that that's not true. So there, they're basically saying quantity matters. Supplements <laughs> are the same as food in both sexes. Increasing retinol became negatively associated with skeletal health. At intakes not far beyond the recommended daily allowance or RDA. Let's say you have never taken Accutane, you've never taken vitamin A supplementation. The animal versions of vitamin A and not even the beta carotene, none of the carrots, the sweet potatoes, et cetera. So, can we still get toxic eating a few ounces of liver or those types of foods、um, from our diet? Yes. The Teratology Society has stated that pregnant women should not consume more than 3,000 a day. Based on all their research, which is less than one ounce of liver, right? That's, that's two thirds of one ounce of liver. It's two thirds of an ounce of liver of that. From the US government here on the NIH, I just want to go over this last thing. When people consume too much vitamin A, their tissue levels take a long time to fall after they discontinue their intake. And the resulting liver damage is not always reversible. So we had the two year old boy actually died from chicken liver spread. His younger brother got very sick, was still dealing with the problems from vitamin A toxicity. I believe they said several years later. And then the young girl, the sister, did not get sick at all. This is what I'm talking about. There is individual variation in how much of this stuff you can tolerate. So, for you and your kids, or your patients with their kids, would you ever give liver or even cod liver oil? No. That women should be cautious regarding their consumption of liver containing meals during pregnancy. I mean, if this study is it kind of saying that women that are pregnant should be careful consuming all animal liver? Just... That's exactly what they're saying. We've already established that natural vitamin A and synthetic vitamin A are exactly the same in terms of toxicity. 
We now have all this evidence of people getting toxic from eating vitamin A. I, I just don't know how after all of this that anyone could claim that if you just simply eat animal liver, you're not going to get toxic. It's just, it's completely unscientifically tenable at this point. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This helps me to be able to share more information with more people. Okay, so today I am continuing the journey about the discussion of vitamin A possible toxicity and why maybe liver and other vitamin A rich foods may not always be ideal. And obviously it's very bio-individual. So we are going to go through some studies today. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Garrett Smith. He is a naturopathic doctor um, and he can share more about his kind of work and what he does for a profession. But he is essentially a researcher and he does a lot of research on vitamin A and just how to basically help his patients heal from whatever disease or symptom that they have. And so we get into a lot of the discussion that kind of started from the first discussion I had about vitamin A and um, if we should be consuming liver. We actually show the studies and I hope that you guys um, take the time and um, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, that you can maybe see the video or at least see the show notes and get all the studies that are mentioned and just kind of go through the information yourself. I know that new information is never easy to absorb. Um, sometimes it's, you know, it challenges us at the core and then makes us question. Trust me, I've had lots of days of lack of sleep from all of this, but it's the right thing to share because new information can always help someone. And it's just the right thing to do. So let's get into this conversation. I know you guys are going to have your mind blown because even after my interview with Grant, I still was um, at a loss of words sometimes during this interview. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. And today I am so excited. I have with me Dr. Garrett Smith. We are going to talk about all things vitamin A and just trying to get ourselves better by having more education and knowledge around vitamin A. So Dr. Garrett Smith, thank you so much for joining me today. If you can tell, you know, the people listening and watching um, a little bit about yourself and your medical background. Okay. So, well, I'm a licensed naturopathic physician in Arizona. And what that means is I can, I can do pretty much everything here short of some of the major drugs and the major surgeries, which is, which is cool, but that's not what I do. I do uh, what I call clinical nutrition, which is the, the treatment of health conditions through focused nutrition. I do, I do hair analysis, I do blood analysis, and then we treat it with diet and supplements and other stuff that's indicated. I've been in practice since about 2006. My undergrad was in physiology with a minor in chemistry and nutrition. Um, before I went into medicine, I was a personal trainer, had my certified strength and conditioning specialist actually back in another life. As, as I say, I helped co-found one of the first, the very first CrossFit in Arizona. So that's how long I've been in that game. Um, and I, I do virtual medicine now. I do 
it's all Skype or Zoom or phone. And so people think that they you know, have to be in Tucson, Arizona to work with me. And that's, that's not true. I've had, I've had clients and I think we counted up as 26 countries now. So it, there's no limitation on, on what I'm doing now, which is kind of cool. COVID kind of forced it, you know, right. to happen even more, but um, yeah, so that's, that's basically it. And I know that for all the years you've been practicing, you've kind of stumbled into this whole vitamin A um, and possibly supporting the body from detoxing of it. So, you know, if you can kind of give us your thoughts on, you know, some important areas of vitamin A, maybe some of the differences, nuances, um, you know, there's the kind of cartonoids from vegetables versus or plants versus like the animal retinoid version. So, you know, just kind of guide us and maybe educate us or um, just help us to understand more and how that affects our own health. Yeah. Well, so, so first we kind of want to cover some of the, the basics of vitamin A, which I know other people have done before, but I, I kind of like to emphasize it. So we have, as you mentioned, there's, there's carotenoids, right? Which we call plant vitamin A. The thing that, that it must people must know about carotenoids is carotenoids are not essential to us in any way. They're not required. We do not need a single carotenoid ever in our lives. And you can look at the, it's a review paper called carotenoids from, you don't need to bring it up 2013 where it's, where they say specifically humans do not need a single carotenoid of any type ever. Okay. Then we have the pro vitamin A carotenoids, which is like beta carotene as an example. There is no, when people talk about retinol in animals, preformed vitamin A, one beta carotene can be cleaved or cut into two retinaldehydes, not retinols. It's cut into two retinaldehydes. Um, or they'll say retinal, but I always feel like that's kind of a hiding something because they don't want to say retinaldehyde because retinaldehydes in general are regarded as toxic. Right. So here we are saying we have this aldehyde in our body. And it's somehow essential and aldehydes are generally known to be toxic. So I start going, okay, we're, we're getting a little tied up here, right? But because we're going to talk about the carnivore diet here, I'm not going to talk about carotenoids very much because they just don't, don't really apply here. But it's just important to know that beta carotene is cut into two retinaldehydes. And that's, that's an aldehyde. So anyway, then we have retinol. This is, this is the common one that they call preformed vitamin A. This is what, if you go to your doctor and it's measured in the blood, if they measure your vitamin A in the blood, they're going to measure serum retinol. Okay. The, the important thing to know is that over and over in the research, so if, if you listen today and you go, well, I want to go see if I'm vitamin A toxic, I'm going to ask my doctor for a vitamin A test. Over and over in the research, they specifically state that your serum retinol, your blood vitamin A has almost nothing to do with how much vitamin A you may or may not have stored in your liver. Almost nothing to do. Here's a quick example. I have, a, I have a, a paper, a case study on a guy who was taking, this guy was taking 50,000 units of retinal palmitate a day. His vitamin A level in his blood was 18. He was technically, if, they, if you go by the normal standards, vitamin A deficient at 50,000 units a day of retinal palmitate, which is the same form that is what people are eating as, as two-thirds of the form of vitamin A that's in liver if you're eating it. So serum retinol, your blood vitamin A, has nothing to do with your liver vitamin A. 
That's the important thing there. So then retinol is an alcohol. So we now have two things in this pathway, right? We have an alcohol as retinol and we have an aldehyde as retinaldehyde. Very interesting that those are both two things that are generally not regarded as good for people. But um, free retinol in your blood has to be bound to a thing called retinol binding protein. Why does this happen? Why does your body do this? Because free retinol, if it's not bound, is very toxic to the human body. And it is considered one of the things that causes hypervitaminosis A or vitamin A toxicity in the blood is too much free retinol. There's not enough retinol binding protein to bind it all. So then you get toxicity symptoms. So then we go to retinaldehyde. I kind of already said this, retinaldehydes. Aldehydes are generally regarded as toxic. You can take that for what it's worth. And then we get into retinoic acids. Now, this is, this is I'm going to go over more about retinoic acids later. But the thing that happens is vitamin A that you eat of any type, carotenoids, pro-vitamin A carotenoids, non-pro-vitamin A carotenoids, retinol, retinaldehyde, as it goes through the detox pathway of your liver, or some people will say the metabolism of it in your liver, it's going to turn into various retinoic acids. So people are going to be familiar with retinoic acids in terms of pharmaceuticals. Um, one of the ones that it turns into, and this is in the literature, is 13-cis-retinoic acid. 13-cis-retinoic acid, when it's sold to you in a pill form, is called Accutane or isotretinoin. Your body takes some of the vitamin A you eat and turns it into the exact same chemical as Accutane. Another one is called all-trans-retinoic acid. All-trans-retinoic acid, when it's synthesized and sold to you in a cream form, is also known as Retin-A. And then we have 9-cis-retinoic acid. 9-cis-retinoic acid, when it's put in a pill form, 9-cis-retinoic acid is sold to people as allitretinoin, and allitretinoin has a use as a chemotherapy drug. So these are the exact same chemicals. So if one was to say that a natural form of one, when they, when they measure them in, let's say, the urine, as I'll go over later, they, don't differ, they cannot tell the difference between a natural and a synthetic sourced one. There's, there's no difference. So for anybody out there to say that these forms do different things in the body, the burden of proof is really on them to say that the chemists are somehow mislabeling these things. They're different compounds. They have different functions. And that, that, but it, it won't pan out in the research, which is what I'm going to go over. So then we have the last thing. This is the most important thing, retinal esters. Retinal esters are retinol bound to a fatty acid ester, or you could just say fatty acids. Okay. When you eat preformed vitamin A or animal vitamin A in liver or dairy or eggs, um, you are eating retinal esters. Okay. You are not eating very much retinol at all. So if anybody tells you when you eat, you eat animal foods for retinol, you're eating it and you're getting retinyl esters, which is a retinol bound to a fatty acid. Okay. So as an example, beef liver contains about 94% retinyl esters and 6% retinol. Pig liver contains the same amount, 94 and 6, 94% retinyl esters, 6% retinol. Then we get into um, the biggest form of vitamin A in animal foods is retinyl palmitate. I mean, we can do, I'm just going to do a general number here, about 66%, about two-thirds of the vitamin A 
in animal livers and in humans is retinal palmitate. So then we get into human livers. Yeah, human livers are about two-thirds also. So we're all, it, it's generally about two-thirds retinal palmitate of the retinal esters that are stored in the liver. I saw uh, some comments on um, another YouTube video where, where somebody was saying the liver doesn't really store anything. And I was going, that, that is a terrible misrepresentation of the research. The liver absolutely stores stuff. Um, stores what exactly? I just want to clarify. It can store vitamin A. It, can, it stores fat-soluble toxins. I can, I can show that pesticides accumulate in the liver. It stores copper. Why do we measure ferritin in the blood? to see if there's an excess amount of iron stored in the, in the liver. Right. So the liver absolutely stores things. And that's not because it's trying to save them for later. It's actually probably because the liver can't get rid of them fast enough. If it tried to get rid of them all at once, it would make you very toxic. The body, the body takes free retinol out of the blood extremely quickly. And there is research showing this. Like within, within minute, a minute, it's gone. It puts it in the liver very quickly. So when people, so now we get to the part about retinal palmitate is when people eat a lot of palmitic acid, which is a major fatty acid found in animal foods, you will make more retinol. You will, if you have retinol floating around and you have palmitate, palmitic acid floating around, it will bind them to make retinol palmitate and it will store more retinol palmitate in your liver. So with all of that, the thing to know is just retinyl palmitate is the most common vitamin A supplement. Retinyl palmitate is what you are eating if you are eating animal-based vitamin A. I'm here saying that chemically, and what I'll show in the research is that those two things are not different in their function at all. And the research bears this out. If you're, if you're eating a lot of vitamin A and you think that just because it's the natural form and it's not the synthetic form that you're somehow protected, this is not supported in the science at all. And I, I, I'm, I wanted to emphasize that I'm here to help people to not hurt themselves by, by listening to some of these ideas that are not true. Um, so so just, that's, that, that's all I have on that one. So just that's, to confirm what you just said... You're saying that the synthetic vitamin A's in supplementations, right? So if I get a multivitamin that has vitamin A in it, essentially in the way that the body breaks down vitamin A from beef liver or chicken Mm -hmm. liver or butter or ghee, essentially becomes the same in the body, in the way it's processed. Yeah, I could could go into the, the research on that right now if we want. So we were, we were heading into some of the, uh, the evidence of vitamin A from foods yeah. being the same as vitamin A from, from isolated supplements. So first we have this paper called The Effect of Hypervitaminosis A on Blood Coagulation in the Rat. And really what it showed, very simply, they said the same result in terms of toxicity is produced by synthetic vitamin A as by naturally occurring vitamin A in a fish oil concentrate. It, it, right there. This is a study from back in, when was that? I see the date there, 1958. But okay. Someone argue that because the fish oil concentrate is technically a supplement that it's not the same. Okay. Okay. So we could, we could go into more. Um, <laughs> I have, I have plenty of these. Sure. Okay. Um, okay.
Okay. So yeah, we were, yeah, this, this is, this is a book, actually. This is a book of studies. It's um, hypervitaminosis A, a study of the effect of excess of vitamin A in experimental animals by Rodol. This is, I mean, this is 60 pages of studies. He did different animals. He did different forms of vitamin A. He did natural sources of vitamin A. He did synthetic sources of vitamin A. He, he looked at pregnancy. He looked at newborns. He looked at all of it. So these are animals. Okay. So if a symptom shows up the same in animals, it's really the same if it's from natural or synthetic. So now, as you can see on this page that we have pulled up here, we're on page 181. So this is a book of studies. This okay. is not just one paper. And these were all done by the same guy. Okay. So I'm gonna, I want to read this word for word so people can really hear it and, and soak it in. And remember, these are animals. So when you see the symptoms in animals, it's not placebo. It's what actually happened. So if they say the same problems happened, these were from their observations. These were not you know, people making up symptoms or hiding symptoms or overblowing symptoms. Okay. Before so, you, here we go. Before you read, I have a question. Um, were they giving excess doses? Was it like normal or was, or was it kind of all over the place? No, they were, they were definitely giving, they were, I mean, the paper is about hypervitaminosis A. They were typically, they were wanting to find out what were the effects of an excess of vitamin A, of hypervitaminosis A. Yeah. So they are, they are poisoning these animals. Yes, absolutely. So I can see the argument though being, well, it's because they're eating it in excess. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, so that, that's how toxicity happens is somebody eating. Here, here's a key, key thing for people to understand about one person's excess yes. versus what's okay for another person, okay? Toxicity of something happens. When you, especially with fat soluble things, toxicity happens when you cannot clear something as fast as you are taking it in, right? Just like people run at different speeds, right? Right. Just genetics or strength or there's all sorts of factors that go into it. One person might run faster than the other. So if one person is a bit faster at detoxing something than another person, they might say, well, I eat tons of liver and I'm fine. And another, the other person is like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't feel good at all. I can't even, I take one bite of liver and my stomach turns and it's just, it, I feel bad because there's differences in the detox speed of these things. I have, I have a paper in here that we can go over later where it actually showed that within a family, within three siblings, they were eating chicken liver spread and one of them died. The other boy, so one boy died. The other boy got very, very sick and the girl had no problems at all. So, and they were, they were the same mom was feeding them the same chicken liver spread and they had drastically different effects. So one person's poison is, is okay for another person. And what I can tell people is generally men in this area, men actually 
run these liver processes faster than women. It's just, it, it has to do with estrogen. It has to do with the liver. It's complex, but this is what we tend to see. So yes, there's absolutely differences between people, between the genders, between there is genetic issues, it, there's nutrient issues, that, yeah, so all sorts of stuff. So what they did with these rats, what they were trying to do with the rats, right? They're trying to say when we poison all these rats with the same amount, what are the same effects that happen? And then, but there was even differences within the rats. They're pretty genetically similar. So what is, what is going on? We, we may not always know. But yes, yeah, so they are trying to study vitamin A toxicity. Absolutely. Okay. And what I'm trying to show here is that as people will argue that the type of vitamin A determines its toxicity or not, I'm here showing that that's not true. Okay? Okay. So let's go in word for word. Quote, from the present investigations, it is evident that identical effects were obtained in rats by giving livers rich in vitamin A, liver oils, and highly purified and concentrated vitamin A preparations when given in equivalent amounts with regard to the vitamin A content. The symptoms increased with increasing doses of vitamin A. Here's a key part. And no ill effect whatever was observed in rats given liver oil where the vitamin A had been destroyed. Finally, none of the fractions of the liver oil other than the vitamin A had any ill effect on rats. These findings are in agreement with the results of previous investigations. Furthermore, excess of pure crystalline vitamin A alcohol and crystalline vitamin A acetate have been found to produce the same toxic effects in rats as natural sources of vitamin A. I'm going to skip forward to that third paragraph. Okay. There appears to be no doubt, therefore, that excess of vitamin A is toxic and that the ill effects observed in rats given excess of the vitamin A concentrates used in the present experiments is due to the vitamin A itself. From the present investigations, it may be further, further be concluded that excess of vitamin A is also toxic to mice, guinea pigs, rabbits, and cockerels. And I'm also going to say humans. Um, but this was all animal studies. So that's that one. Now, um, there is one other study that we can go over, which is specific to humans. So for those folks who are trying to say, well, that's all animal studies, that's not humans, we could go into that paper. Okay, let me pull it up. Okay, so, so now we can go into the, a study on humans, which, so this one is retinol intake and bone mineral density in the elderly, the Rancho Bernardo study. So I'm going to quote, it's, it's a ways down there. I said, however, among supplement users, retinol from dietary and supplement sources had similar associations with BMD, which is bone mineral density, suggesting total intake is more important than source. So there they're basically saying quantity matters. Supplements <laughs> are the same as food. They couldn't tell a difference. And this is a very important thing. This study, when they talk about, I don't have the math on me, but what, they, what they're talking about. So, but let's, let's um, that next sentence, let's read that next sentence. In both sexes, 
increasing retinol became negatively associated with skeletal health at intakes not far beyond the recommended daily allowance, or RDA. Intakes reached predominantly by supplement users. This study suggests there's a delicate balance between ensuring the elderly consume sufficient vitamin A and simultaneously cautioning against excessive retinol supplementation. I believe that, um, let me do my little math here. The, what they found was it was 1,500 REs. So let me do that. It was 5,000 units a day, 5,000 international units, 5,000 IUs a day where they started seeing lower bone mineral density, osteopenia, osteoporosis with vitamin A. And as they went above that, they started seeing lower and lower, but more problems with bone density, lower bone density. This is the RDA. Do you remember from, I saw, I saw your blogs about it, um, Judy. Yeah. I, I don't remember off the top of my head because I don't eat it anymore. How much vitamin A was in an ounce of liver, beef liver? So this is the one, the RDA for like a one to three year old is 1000 IU, but for okay. liver, one ounce. Yeah, so we have liver there, right? Yeah, so so one ounce is about 1500, or sorry, one ounce is 4,700 IUs. Yeah. So if somebody ate on average one ounce of liver a day, so that's seven ounces a week, that's less than half a pound, right? At less than half a pound a week, they're going to be up at a right or, well, I mean, and they're going to be eating other foods that have vitamin A in them too. They're going to be over that 5,000, which is where bone density decreases started showing up. And what they're saying was that the source didn't matter. The animal studies showed that the source synthetic or natural didn't matter. It's simply the amount of vitamin A that people are taking it. What I want for people to do, there are people who will say that they're, they're implicitly different. Mm-hmm. I want them to present the research because I have this research seminal works on vitamin A toxicity that show that they're the same in humans and animals. I want to see the research that shows that they are, that, that retinal palmitate from a supplement is somehow different from retinal palmitate in liver. I want to see it. I, I would love to see it. I'm, this is how we all grow, but I don't find it. I've, I've been, as you'll see as we go through this, I've been pretty deep into the vitamin A research for a long time, and I don't find it. So let's move on to the next question. Uh, you know, a lot of people wonder if just, you know, let's say you have never taken Accutane, you've never taken vitamin A supplementation, and all you do is eat vitamin A, um, I guess the, the animal versions of vitamin A and not even the beta carotene, none of the carrots, the sweet potatoes, et cetera. So can we still get toxic eating a few ounces of liver or, you know, those types of foods um, from our diet? Yes. And, and the researchers are concerned about this, uh, whether people want to, you know, they don't want to believe the, the government agencies. Well, the government agencies are going on stuff that the researchers came up with. I want to go over, the thing about people arguing that supplements are toxic and food is not, we have to, we're going to use our brain here. (laughs) It would make sense that when, when a, when a physician is like, you have a sick person in front of you and a physician is asking them, well, what are you taking? Right. And then the person says, Oh, I'm taking this and I'm taking this vitamin A supplement or I'm, you know, putting retinol cream on my face or whatever. And they say, okay, well, so they're going to, if they think there's a toxicity, they've already got, 
an obvious thing. They're, they usually, how many times do you think your doctor, your MD is asking you, how many carrots are you eating? Or how much liver are you eating? It's not a question that they ask. They can, if you think about it, the, the conventional medical establishment loves to find when they think supplements are bad, right? That's, they would love that. And the funny thing is, wait, wait, let me just, when you read about supplement toxicity or you see articles in the news about supplements being toxic, there's really three main nutrients that they talk about. They talk about vitamin A, retinol palmitate. They talk about beta carotene, which is another vitamin A. And they talk about vitamin E, another fat soluble vitamin. And nowadays we're getting plenty of the vitamin D poisonings as well. So it would seem there's a big trend there of fat soluble things as being problematic. But it, it only makes sense that if, a, if, if you had two people eating the same diet, that the person taking the supplements is automatically taking more vitamin E. So they would have more of an issue with becoming toxic. That doesn't mean that only supplements cause toxicity. It means that people who take supplements are implicitly taking higher levels of vitamin E. Right. We just showed that they're the same thing in terms of toxicity. It's the amount. It's the dose. As people will love to say, the dose makes the poison, right? Yep. So people who supplement are automatically higher. And so then that's what they point the finger at, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. I'm going to go over plenty of evidence that it, it happens from food just fine. The Teratology Society is a group of physicians and researchers who are trying to prevent birth defects in people. They are trying to figure out what people should do and should not do so that they don't cause birth defects. The Teratology Society has stated that the standard American diet, the standard American is eating about 7,000 to 8,000 units of vitamin A, preformed vitamin A, retinol units a day. Okay. They've stated that pregnant women should not consume more than 3,000 a day based on all their research, which is less than one ounce of liver, right? That's, that's two thirds of one ounce of liver. It's two thirds of an ounce of liver about. So we have the birth defect society saying, this is a real issue. And here's what people are getting in their diets. Here's what people should not be eating more than if they're pregnant. So they're telling pregnant women to eat less vitamin A than the standard American. Okay. We talked about that Rancho Bernardo study where they were seeing more osteoporosis as the vitamin A went higher than 5,000. The, the RDA for vitamin A used to be, I, I believe it was... 4,000 for women and 5,000 for men. They have recently lowered that to 3,000. They've also removed the requirement for labeling vitamin A on foods. It's an optional thing now. I saw so, that. Isn't that kind of weird? Like if you had a toxicity problem happening, taking away the evidence, lowering the, lowering the amount that people need and removing the evidence from foods of how much people are getting, it's just strange is all I'm saying from the US government here on the NIH, I just wanna go over this last thing. When people consume too much vitamin A, their tissue levels take a long time to fall after they discontinue their intake and the resulting liver damage is not always reversible. They mentioned the, the Rancho Bernardo study here also. Now I wanted to go into, so people will say, oh yeah, so you have the natural versus synthetic and you say they're the same. And, and, but is food vitamin A actually toxic? Do you have evidence of food vitamin A actually being toxic? So first, 
because a lot of people like to say that carotenoids could never be toxic, your body only converts so much of them. What I'm going to do in this, in the following part is I'm going to start with animal studies and then I move into human studies. Okay. So first we have this, this paper, hyperostotic polyarthropathy in a rabbit, a suspected case of chronic hypervitaminosis A from a diet of carrots. Now I'm going to summarize this for you. People who had a rabbit, they fed it a diet of only carrots. That's it. Like they've been watching too many Bugs Bunny, you know, cartoons. And they fed this rabbit only carrots. And it got, basically, if you want to think about what hyperostotic polyarthropathy is, that means it's multiple joints getting joint disease, like arthritis, probably autoimmune, all over this rabbit's body from carrots. And as they say in that last line there, they say, or next to last line, rabbits are unique in that they convert 100% of dietary beta carotene into retinol. So rabbits turn it into animal vitamin A faster and more efficiently than any other animal out there. And they got problems. Why didn't the rabbits downgrade their their conversion, right, to protect themselves? So this, this next one is one of my favorite studies, Carrot Man. And a case of excessive beta carotene ingestion. So this guy, he decided he was going to get really healthy, right? Like everybody's into the carrot juice and fat on, on the plant-based side, right? So he's, he's juicing, as they say here. Well, he's, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't, he isn't necessarily juicing. He might have been, but he was consuming six to seven pounds of carrots a week. And he got liver problems. He got constipated. His skin changed color. And when he stopped the excessive carrots over the month, his liver enzymes came back down. Yes, you can get toxic from carotenoids. Don't, don't ever think you can't. And what, what is making them toxic? Is it the carotenoids or is it that it's converting it into retinoids, vitamin A, the animal vitamin A? We do do that. Right. I know people on the internet love to tell you that we don't convert it efficiently enough to cause problems. I would say maybe consider the fact that we don't convert it as fast or we, we lower it because retinol is toxic and the body's trying to protect you. We always, if one of the things I do in my practice is I always assume that the body is doing the best it can at any one moment to help us, to protect us. I don't tend to think of the body as a victim. I tend to think of the body as, you know, wonderfully designed and it, it makes the best choice that it can in a situation with what it's given kind of like therapists try to do. They say people do the best they can in the situation right. with, with the tools they have. I think the body does the same thing. When people say we, we must store it in the liver for a good reason, I go, not necessarily. Um, but this is carrot man. So we have now have a, a rabbit getting toxic from carrots and we have a, a human getting toxic from carrots. Okay, so let's go to the next one. Here we are. We have a third human study. Vitamin A toxicity secondary to excessive intake of yellow, green vegetables, liver, and laver. So I wasn't familiar with what laver was when I first got into this. Laver is a type of seaweed. So this woman ate tons of um, liver. I mean, she ate a lot of liver. She ate a lot of yellow, green vegetables. Green, the thing to know about green is the color of vitamin A is typically yellow. Green is a combination of blue and yellow, right? So green can hide yellow stuff within it. And what you see is in plant foods, the darker green it is, the more vitamin A it has because it can hide in a way in there and you can't see it. She got 
that, that last sentence, next to last sentence, a final diagnosis of vitamin A poisoning and hepatic injury secondary to an eating disorder was made. Her symptoms and serum beta carotene levels returned to normal with successful adjustment of her diet. So I want to confirm there, she was eating a lot of liver, yellow green vegetables, and seaweed. Food-based vitamin A. Her symptoms went away when she stopped eating it. Her beta carotene levels went back to normal after this. She fixed her problem by not eating it. Okay? So now, this part I'm not going to be reading studies on. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be summarizing sure. all of these papers because these are a ton of case studies. Now we're going to get into when people say that you can't possibly get toxic from eating liver. Beef liver I mean, or animal livers. Animal livers, yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. Well, I don't know. What, what other livers are there? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just need to make it 100% clear. So. I know. They're talking about You're aliens right, in the news today. So maybe, I don't know. Are they talking about alien livers? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I don't know. So we're, we're going to talk about people eating like, you know, wild caught fish and, you know, what they feed animals in zoos and what people feed their pets and humans eating animal livers of all types. And I have a whole presentation. If you guys want to watch my, if you find my YouTube, it's, it's youtube.com slash nutrition detective. I have a whole presentation. If you want all the links to the case studies in this stuff, but I'm, I'm summarizing them here because I know I read too many quotes and I read too many study titles anyway. So let's just and I'll Head put it all it. in the show notes too, all the information. Okay. Yes. With. Awesome. Because I want people to have this evidence. Yes. As they say, you got you to gotta show receipts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's what the kids are saying these days. Um, so in animals, we have a rat that, well, actually, let me back up one more second about the polar bear liver. People will say, well, yeah, polar bear liver is toxic. It's so full of vitamin A. If you eat it, you could get really sick and maybe even die. So if you're out in the carnivore community and you believe that, then what you have just admitted is that the vitamin A from animal livers can be toxic. We just admitted it, right? We, I've heard that this is in the research. Don't, don't eat polar bear liver. It's super poisonous. Okay, so you, you've just opened the door for vitamin A toxicity from animal livers, okay? So let's go into the animals that have died from eating animal liver. So we have a rat that died from eating polar bear liver. They, it, was a, it was a research study. They fed it polar bear liver. It died. We have a cat getting sick from eating beef liver. We have a cat getting sick from eating pork liver. We have a cat getting sick from eating what they call raw liver. I don't know what type of liver it was. We have a study from about zoo cheetahs. Zoo cheetahs getting sick from beef liver. And here's a quote from the Veterinary Centers of America, their article on vitamin A toxicosis in dogs. Here's the quote. Vitamin A toxicity is usually caused by eating too much organ meat, especially liver, which contain high levels of vitamin A or by consuming supplements containing high levels of cod liver oil. Note how they didn't talk about, they didn't mention supplements at one point in there. Right. So apparently it can happen to animals. Okay, so now let's go into humans because I have even more here on humans. So in humans, in the research, there is a 1.5 million year old Homo erectus fossil 
that was showing vitamin A toxicity symptoms in its bones from what they believed was when it would eat carnivorous animal liver. Like think the whole saber-toothed tiger thing. They would hunt a saber-toothed tiger and eat its liver. Okay. Carnivores are known for having really toxic in vitamin A livers because they eat other animals' livers, right? So those animals ate plants. They concentrated the vitamin A in their liver. The carnivore ate the liver of the herbivore, and then the carnivore gets super toxic livers, okay? Um, the Dutchman explorer Garrett de Vrier got sick, and his whole crew did, from eating polar bear liver. The Swiss explorer Xavier Mertz and his partner got sick from eating sled dog liver. Now, I want to emphasize this is an important one because they were out, Mertz and Mawson, as they say, they got stranded out in the cold with their sled dogs and they had no, they ran out of food. And so they had to eat their sled dogs. They ate, so, so I know there's the carnivore group out there that says, if you eat nose to tail, that will protect you against the vitamin A toxicity. Well, these guys ate all of the dogs and Xavier Mertz got, uh, he died from eating. And then, and then what they said was they believed that his partner Mawson, because he, he saw the guy, he saw Xavier getting sick. They think he actually may have fed him more of the liver because he thought it was easier to digest. So he made him even more toxic. And all the guys in the, in the, in the both of them had symptoms completely consistent with vitamin A toxicity. So we have those three. And just so you know, those three cases, they, the, the first paper where they're really kind of starting to talk about dis the discovery of vitamin A was 1912. Xavier Mertz, the most recent of these, because uh, Garrett de Vrier, I think, was in the late 1500s. So we have 1.5 million years ago. We have 1597 or something. And then we have 1913 with Xavier Mertz. Nobody was doing supplements at that time. None of the animals were doing supplements and none of the people were doing supplements. They hadn't even figured out what vitamin A was completely at that point. So let's keep going. We have three adult men getting sick from eating grouper fish liver. We have a 23-month-old Chinese girl getting sick from eating, this was quoted in the case study, four pieces of fish liver. Um, when, when Judy sent me some of the questions that you guys had, um, on vitamin A toxicity from liver, there was one that was asked, how fast can a baby get vitamin A toxicity from eating liver? 23-month-old, four pieces of fish liver. That's how fast it can happen. There's two types of vitamin A toxicity. There's acute, which is where you take too big a dose at once. Like you guys may have seen certain practitioners out there telling people to take 100,000 to 200,000 units of vitamin A to prevent virus problems, that's totally toxic level. And then lots of other papers say you can get vitamin A toxicity from consuming what they called a moderate amount of vitamin A for months. It only takes months if you're consuming a moderate amount. Um, continuing on, we have a four, an 11-year-old Chinese boy getting sick from eating fish liver. We have a 14-year-old boy Ch Chinese boy getting sick from eating hapuka fish liver. We have a 25-year-old, they described her as a housewife, getting sick from eating shark liver. We have three fishermen getting sick from eating tropical fish liver. We have two infant girls getting sick from eating chicken liver spread or chicken pate. We have a young boy who was less than three and a half years old when he first got sick. I believe he was about six months old from eating chicken liver spread. 
We have a two-year-old. This is that family I mentioned earlier. The little family, the two boys and the girl getting sick from vitamin A. This is from this study, severe hypervitaminosis A in siblings, evidence of variable tolerance to retinol intake. So we had the two-year-old boy actually died from chicken liver spread. His younger brother got very sick, was still dealing with the problems from vitamin A toxicity. I believe they said several years later. And then the young girl, the sister, did not get sick at all. This is what I'm talking about. There is individual variation, how much of this stuff you can tolerate. So if you, let's say, if you're a person who seems to tolerate it well for now, but you have a friend or a client or a child who is not tolerating it and is seeming to get sicker and sicker, you might want to check what you're doing because you may be making them very, very sick. And it may take, as they talk about in here, years to get them out of it. I talk about years to help people out of vitamin A toxicity because the liver can store, I think the most we've ever calculated from the research of how much vitamin A is in the liver was 10 years of storage. You can have up to 10 years of storage of vitamin A in your liver. Wow. And that, 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 that's what we're talking about is that we're talking about from the research of how fast people can get rid of it. If they take in almost none, you could have up to 10 years in your liver. So that's, that's this paper. Um, we have another one of an adult male from eating beef liver. Then we have this paper called Hypervitaminosis A, a liver lover's lament. This is where five American adults were getting things like migraines and other headaches, and they all just happened to be pretty much obese, and they were eating, they were eating pounds of liver a week, beef liver or chicken liver. They didn't, I don't believe they specifically said, but they are eating. I mean, they talk about some of these people getting one person was, you know, tens of pounds of, he was either in, I think he was in the teens of, of buying pounds of liver a week. So he's only eating liver. But yeah, that was, so these, this is just total, you know, they're just eating a lot of liver and they're getting sick. They're getting headaches. They're getting liver enzymes elevated. They're getting fat. I have a whole video on my YouTube about the connection between vitamin A toxicity and obesity. Um, and when we get to the stuff, if we get to it later, the connections between vitamin A toxicity and insulin sensitivity and the connections between vitamin A and thyroid health. Well, if we have a, pro if something causes a problem with the thyroid and insulin sensitivity, we would then assume it would cause problems with weight management, wouldn't we? And blood sugar stability and all that stuff. So basically just after all of that, We've already established that natural vitamin A and synthetic vitamin A are exactly the same in terms of toxicity. We now have all this evidence of people getting toxic, people and animals getting toxic from eating vitamin A. I, I just don't know how after all of this that anyone could claim that if you just simply eat animal liver, you're not going to get toxic. It's just, it's completely unscientifically tenable at this point. So why do some people feel better when they first start eating liver? And I know you mentioned that sometimes it's malnutrition or maybe under eating, but. It's a, it's a very strange thing. It's, it's, I think it's going to be beyond the scope of, of what we're going over here. 
Um, but I mean, I've seen, I remember when I was in practice and before I knew all this stuff, I, I gave a kid cod liver oil and his acne got a lot better. And, you know, people will take, I mean, people will take Accutane, right? And it makes their acne go away. Right. But people also know that Accutane has like the most side effects of practically any drug out there. And the problems from Accutane can show up in any system of the body. And as we're going to go back, I'm going to remind people, your body takes vitamin A and turns it into the exact same chemical compound, 13-cis-retinoic acid, that is Accutane. So if Accutane can do something good, right? Vitamin A, people will say, oh, do vitamin A for your acne. The weird thing about drugs, I'm going I'm to, well, I'll talk a little bit about what I call the duration paradox, which is where in short-term studies or cell studies, vitamin A or retinoic acid will often seem to look good. Whereas long-term studies bear out that it doesn't end well ever for the animals or the people. So that's the duration paradox. And there's actually articles on PubMed with certain medications where they use the exact word paradox in it. Vitamin A tends to increase the speed of certain processes in the cells. So if let's say for whatever reason, the cells were running too slowly and you increase that speed, you can see some improvements. But what happens is things then burn out. And that's the long-term problem. So let me give a couple examples here of things that we know have these duration paradoxes. So caffeine, right? People, if people don't use caffeine and all of a sudden they use it, they go, wow, that really helps with my energy. And then over time, they find that they build a tolerance. And so they usually have to keep increasing their dose to get the same effect. Eventually, they get to the point where whatever dose of coffee they're on they have to have that amount of coffee to simply feel normal. And then beyond that, when they decide they want to quit, they feel bad, right? So caffeine is a natural substance, right? It's in coffee, it's in tea, but it causes this problem. And so it can look good in the beginning. People say, I get so much work done. I drink my coffee. I get so much work done. I have energy to play with the kids, all this stuff that I wasn't doing before. I can stay up later, get more work done. And then later it turns on them. Another example, Viagra to help with erectile dysfunction. Men might take it at the start and it helps them function. Over time, what doctors had, le- had to learn the hard way was over time and a lot of peat men had to learn the hard way was that the Viagra stops working as well. And eventually they get to the point where if they use it enough, they have to use the Viagra or they cannot get an erection. Eventually that turns into, they're actually going to have to inject things, chemicals in that same class as Viagra into themselves to get that function. And then eventually even that stops working. And then, they, then they're dealing with things like implants and things of this nature. So the duration paradox, it worked in the beginning, it helped them with function. And eventually it turned bad on them. So what we're looking at is people say, well, caffeine's not an essential nutrient. Viagra is not essential to function. Well, I mean, I haven't had any, I, I've been trying to minimize my vitamin A for two and a half years now, and I don't seem to be dying. Um, so 
we get into this, this duration paradox. That's the, that's the thing is where it can help something in the beginning. I just talked to somebody the other day. She said she used retinol creams on her face. She said, I, I can't use them. They ruin my skin. Well, what are they selling all over TV? They're selling retinol creams, saying it helps your skin. So how can it do the same thing or do different things for different people? Because people are at different levels of their toxicity. Um, it's, it's more complex than that. It has to do with the liver and how well the liver can process things. And I, I don't have time to go into here. And it's, it's fairly complex, but we are in my, in my detox program, I'm sussing it all out and we're, we're figuring out what it's doing and we're figuring out what specifically happened to the liver so we can fix that. If people did not, don't consume liver, do you think they're still, and let's say they don't take the Accutane, they don't take the vitamin A supplementation, should people still worry about possible vitamin A toxicity? If people have health problems, there is likely some, some problems going on with, with the way I'm dealing with these things. There's some problems with their liver and there's probably some issues with their gut biome because those two things go together completely. Sure. So if they have health problems, they have some amount of a liver problem. The more of a liver problem, congestion, cholestasis, these kind of things that people have, and we're talking subclinical cholestasis, it can be below what medicine can detect. Remember, because every problem starts somewhere. Sure. It wasn't detectable until it was detectable. Right. right? So these, these liver problems, if, some, if somebody's liver, let's say somebody's doing things that damage their liver, whether that is Tylenol, whether that's vitamin A, whether that's, you know, Cipro, whether that's whatever, once they damage their liver, any amount of vitamin A they eat is going to be processed more slowly, which means that they can get toxic with smaller and smaller intakes of vitamin A. So if somebody is, I mean, generally, we just, we just don't know what each person's tolerance is. What I know from doing this is people can go on a relatively low vitamin A diet and still have completely high normal levels of vitamin A two and a half years later because I have that. There's a ton of it in your liver. You're not running short anytime soon. And anybody who ever says they're running short because they reduced their vitamin A would need to show and demonstrate that in, in lab tests. Because when you're, this is the only thing you can tell about blood vitamin A on testing is that if you have somebody who is on a low vitamin A diet long enough, their blood vitamin A will guaranteed drop because it's going to be low in their liver and it's going to be low in the blood. But if you have a totally normal person and they're still eating a normal amount of vitamin A, they have years of vitamin A in their liver. It's not going to go low. Do you think the vitamin A, so when the liver is kind of detoxing the vitamin A, will there be a period likely that the vitamin A and the serum will go up before it this, starts? This absolutely can happen. This is in the research. This is absolutely in the research that when people reduce their vitamin A levels, the, the blood can actually stay completely the same or it can go up. That, that paper I mentioned earlier, the case study of the gentleman who was taking 50,000 IUs 
of vitamin A a day. And his blood vitamin A was 18. Yeah. Which is low. Right. The, the, the general low cutoff, the, the cutoff for supposed vitamin A deficiency is about a 20 for most age groups. Because actually, here's a weird thing. They raise the vitamin A range as people get older. Why would people need more vitamin A as they get older when it's something we store? That doesn't make sense. Um, that'd be like saying you find mercury levels going up in people as they age, and you're going to say that that's okay. Right. I don't, I don't think it's okay. But what they saw with this gentleman, they took him off his vitamin A supplement. And I'm going to guess they also told him, like, don't eat carrots, don't eat liver, don't eat eggs, don't eat egg yolks. That's the big part. Don't do butter. You know, they probably told him, avoid the high vitamin A things. So I believe it was about in week 12, his vitamin A level in his blood had come up to a 62. Wow. So he stopped his vitamin A. And then his blood level went up because it was all being stuck in his liver before. That's, this is one thing that'll do. It'll get stuck in your liver. And then when he stopped eating the vitamin A, it finally started coming out. Your body does not want, if you are bringing in toxicity, your body will slow down or stop certain detox pathways because it, you don't want to have too much of the, the thing in your blood. If it's a toxin, you don't want too much of it in your blood. So think about this. If somebody was taking in vitamin A, at the same time, it goes into the blood, right? It comes, it comes into the body, it goes into the blood. But the, the blood in each, in, in arteries and veins, the blood goes one way, right? I mean, it, you only want the blood going one way in, a, in the, the pipes. So if you have stuff coming in, that's a problem. And then your body starts dumping out stuff that's a problem. It all goes into the blood, the same blood pathways, right? There's, there's not two lanes of traffic in the blood. There's, there's one lane. The blood goes one way. And people say, oh, it goes out from the heart and then it comes back to the heart. But those, that's, those are one-way roads is what I'm talking about. They are all one-way roads. There's no two-way road. So what the body does is to protect you if you are, as I say, intoxing, you've got enough of it in your blood, your body will stop detoxing. Because if you did both of them at the same time, you're going to have both of them in the blood. And you will show up. It's when, it's when things are in the blood that you show the most problems. Right. So your body will protect you from that. It'll say, oh, man, we have so much coming in. Our level's already high. Don't take it out of storage right now because it'll, it'll be a problem. These are just, these are simple concepts I use. I actually tend to look at the body a lot like a car or a machine and we use the same concepts. I try not to make, it, it's, we are pipes and we are pressure and we are nutrients, which would be like fluids in your car. You know, we have to have the right things running and we need to not put the wrong things in. And by looking at the body this way, this is how, you know, and, and, and we do simple things like looking at things does the car run better when we do this or does the car run worse when we do this? And generally thing I'll tell people all the time is if something makes you feel worse, generally don't do it or there's something else going on. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. Part two with Dr. Garrett Smith will be released next week. We talk about how much beef liver is safe for a baby 
and much more. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.